Last week, we began reading Hebrews chapter 11. And we looked at just the first three verses there, and we talked about the kind of faith that we have as Christians. You know, it's, not, it's not a blind faith. It's a, it's a certain kind of faith. It's a faith that is certain. It's defined for us there in verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we said faith doesn't just give us explanation about things. It doesn't just give us explanations. It gives us understanding. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We also talked about how it's not having faith that counts. It's what that faith is in that counts. It's not just about believing in God or believing in the right God, but trusting in God completely, believing on His Son who He has sent, and trusting in Him alone for the forgiveness of sins and resting in His work on the cross for eternal life. We're going to see more of that this morning as we start to talk about Abel, the faith of Abel in verse 4. Before we read it, let me just give you a sort of uh, the, the thrust of verse 4, which is actually explicitly mentioned in verse 6. And it's this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's going to help you put everything that we're talking about this morning together. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. With faith, it is. With faith, it is possible to please God. Because that faith is in the person of Jesus Christ who God gave to atone for the sins of his people. All right, so now let's read Hebrews chapter 11, just verse 4 there. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, for these examples of faith. That, Lord, it is possible. That it is possible because of your Son that you have sent. That faith in Him uh, has all of the promises, all of the assurances that we're hoping for, Lord, that we can count on them. We thank you that your Word assures us of that this morning. And, God, I pray that you would allow me to uh, preach your Word faithfully so that your hearers may know and believe. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you did happen to be here last week, you know we're going to be going through this chapter very slowly uh, so we can get to know these people. We're going to get to know these people well for two reasons. The first one is because these people that the book of Hebrews is to knew them, right? The, the author is counting on their familiarity with him to make his point. Don't you go anywhere. Jesus is better. Have faith in him. Keep faith in him. It will be worth it. And then the second reason we're going to get to know these people is because they're waiting to get to know you. That sounds strange, doesn't it? I mean, what's that, what's that even mean? Is that even true? 
Well, not if what you're thinking is that you, there's something so special about you that they're just up there wringing their hands and just can't wait to meet you. But if you get this bigger idea of the fullness of God's plan of redemption and what must be accomplished in order for that fullness to happen, it makes perfect sense. These people, this cloud of witnesses, the author calls them, is they're rooting for you. Because like us, they are awaiting the final resurrection. You know, we got to remember, that's the last chapter, right? That's the last chapter. The, the story isn't over when you die and go to heaven. And here's proof. They've already all been there for a long time now, and they're still waiting. It's not over yet. Creation itself is still groaning to be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God, Romans 8. We... And creation with us, and all of the saints that have gone on before us, including these, are longing for all the sons and daughters to come in. Longing for when we're all raised to glory, when we're all together, then it'll be done. Then all of these folks that have gone before us will receive the fullness of what is promised. They are rooting for us to finish well because apart from us, they are not made perfect. Don't believe me? Look down there at verse 40. That's how this chapter closes. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. We're waiting, and they're all waiting right along with us. That's the point. We share the same faith, and we're hoping expectantly in the same thing. So what the author wants them to know, what, what God wants for us to know this morning is we're in good company. So let's get to know this company we keep. That's why we're taking the time to go through this list of names, people that are described as those of whom the world were not worthy. Abel is up first. First martyr, first guy that we know of that, that died for his faith. First death. Possibly in the Bible. I mean, we don't know that for certain, but it's the first recorded death in Scripture. And we know his brother Cain killed him. Let's look back, all the way back to Genesis 4 and see how all that went down and why Abel is listed here in what we call the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. And what it means that though he's dead, he still speaks. What's he have to say to us? Let's go to Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 11. I'll give you just a second to flip there. shouldn't be hard, right? I mean, you've got to go to Genesis or Revelation. Like, that's a quick flip in the Bible. I'm going to be reading beginning at chapter 1, or I'm sorry, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to, his, to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So, Adam and Eve are being fruitful and multiplying the way that God told them to, right? They're making babies. And so as Cain and Abel are growing up, Adam and Eve are still making babies. And people are living a whole lot longer at this time, right, before the flood. And so by the time Abel is a keeper of sheep, and Cain is a worker of the ground, like it says in verse 2, the earth is being populated. And using what you know about the Bible, what are the people populating the earth like? Everyone's a theologian. You know this stuff. What are the people filling the earth like? Think about it. Well, as a result of the fall, people are now born into the world sinful with the stain of sin on them. Mankind is born under the curse of God that was put on Adam. Right? Righteousness went out the window there at the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So it's one thing we can know uh, uh, about these people. So we've got a bunch of sinners running around is the idea, okay? And we have to assume at least some of them had a desire to reconnect with this God who used to dwell with their parents in the garden before they got kicked out. Maybe a lot of them didn't. Maybe a lot of them didn't. Some of them did. You know how we know that? Because worship existed. Worship already existed. Cain brought an offering to God, and so did Abel. Now, before we get into that, what Abel brought versus what Cain brought and why God accepted one and not the other, let's talk about the faith of Adam and Eve for just a minute. Because you know, a lot of people, they, they want to imagine uh, Adam and Eve were like the, the first in line to hell for what they did. But that doesn't really add up. They were given a promise. The fir God's first response to that great sin was grace. And he gave them a promise in the garden in Genesis 3.15, a promise of a deliverer that would come from the woman's seed. And Eve's the only woman around at the time that that promise is given. And the fact that, 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 that worship existed when their children were older suggests those children were taught to believe in that promise when they were younger. Parents, disciple your children. They're counting on you to teach them from the Bible what they are to believe about God and how to worship Him. They need to know, they need to see that what you say you believe matters to you, because if it doesn't, it won't matter to them. Adam and Eve were believing the promises of God, and they were teaching their children to do likewise. We see that worship existed. They believed in a promise that a deliverer would come. And those of you who are parents, let me ask you, what, what kind of hopes do you have 
for your children. You hope that they'll, they'll be wise and, and faithful and kind, that they'll, they'll, they'll honor the Lord with all of their life and, and do well in life. I mean, we, we, we all want those things for our children. What kind of hopes do you think Adam and Eve had for Cain, the firstborn man? There'd never been a pregnancy, y'all. This life growing in Eve's womb would have been quite the experience. And given the promise God had given them, what what expectations do you think they might have had for him while they waited those many months for him to come? He's coming. The deliverer's coming. God said this would happen. The name Cain in Hebrew means I've gotten him or he is here. Gotten whom? Who's here? The deliverer. Can you imagine the the expectation that there could have been there? And how can we be so sure? Well, because there was worship and anticipation uh, and, and expectation of God keeping that promise. God would have given Adam instructions on how he was to be approached in worship, right? He would have given this promise that a, that a deliverer was going to come through the seed of the woman. He would have given him instructions on how he is to be worshipped and con- what constituted an acceptable sacrifice. And so there's the answer to the question of why God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You remember when we read that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22? Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Abel's faith, what he's commended for in Hebrews 11, was a complete trust and confidence in God that resulted in obedience to the revealed will of God. It's impossible to please God without faith. What we see here is Cain tried and failed. Abel's sacrifice involved blood, which testified to his need for the death of a substitute. And you think, where do you learn that? Where, where do you get that idea in his head? Well, I'd, I'd imagine at some point his daddy probably told him about that dark day when God had to kill two of his beautiful creatures in order to clothe his parents in their sin, to make skins or garments out of skins to cover their transgression. They learned that day, they learned pretty early that grace has blood on it. Remember, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. You remember that? God rejected their ability to cover themselves. He provided a covering for them. Sacrifices have always pointed to Christ. Cain's didn't. That's the point. Sacrifices have always pointed to Christ and Cain's didn't. It's impossible to please God without faith, and that faith has to be in the Redeemer who was sent as a substitute for sinners. There's no coming to God without the blood offered for sins. Cain tried to get to God without the shedding of blood, and it didn't work, which just goes to show you we can't just come to God any way that we want. We don't come to God on our own terms. We come to God on his terms, and he has made his terms known. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
And that sounds familiar today. Don't, don't, we have a lot of, don't we have a lot of little canes running around? Don't we have a lot of little canes running around who uh, just want to come to God however they choose, through whatever means they want, whatever practices and religious systems that they want? Don't we have a lot of people today thinking what matters is they feel God in their heart, but they've never come to him the only way he says they can come, which is through the blood of the son he has sent. A tale as old as time, right? And what this shows us here in Genesis 4 is there is a way that you can come to worship God and be rejected. There's a way that you can come to church to worship God and be rejected. If your worship is not offered by faith in the Son, it is not acceptable worship. It doesn't matter how good it feels, how fun it is, how good it looks. If it is not offered by faith in the Son, it is not acceptable worship. God accepted Abel's worship of him, and he did not accept Cain's worship of him. You know, we talk about accepting the offering, right? You guys may remember this from, from other areas of Scripture that you've read, but usually what would happen is God would send down fire and consume the offering, right? God accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's. He left Cain sitting right there on the altar. Had no regard for it. Right time, right place, wrong offering. We see that in, in the course of time, it says. In the course of time, Cain and Abel brought their offerings. So there's a time. There's a time to come to worship. They knew when to be there. They both came at the right time. Cain and Abel both brought their offerings somewhere to a designated place right place. But one was accepted and the other was not. Right time, right place, wrong offering. God says, to come into my presence, you must deal with sin. Sin has separated me and you. To come into my presence, that sin has to be dealt with. There must be a sacrifice. Cain brought an offering that skipped dealing with his sin. This is why we began our service with a confession of sin. You know, we don't make this stuff up. We don't do it to be fancy or old-fashioned. We do it because we recognize that in order to come before a holy God to worship Him, our sin has to be dealt with. And then we point to Christ right away in our worship service and say, there's our sacrifice, God. There He is. There, there's the offering you supplied us with. There's the covering you provided. We come to you, God, through his name, through his blood, or we don't come at all. And then we hear that assurance of pardon from God's word where we get to hear him say, I have accepted it. Cain, we see, wasn't without faith, was he? He wasn't without faith. He had some kind of faith, but he was without faith that acknowledges his need of atonement for his sin. And without that kind of faith, it is impossible to please and approach God. Abel, by faith, it says, offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. That's where we are in Hebrews 11:4. How 
was Abel commended as righteous. Through the sacrifice, Christian, how are you commended as righteous? Through the sacrifice of Christ. The sacrifice Abel's sacrifice pointed to. He offered that bloody sacrifice, believing God's promise to redeem sinners by the atoning blood of a substitute for sinners. Abel knew that in his bones. He knew his need of it. Some of his other brothers and sisters may not have and probably didn't. You know, you imagine people at the time, someone said, you know, mom and dad told us that this, you know, she was going to give birth one day to this guy who's going to come get us out of this mess. But here we all are, you know, lots of children, no redeemer yet. You can imagine people are probably doubting in that way, but faith doesn't follow the world. It follows Christ, and it follows him even when it doesn't make sense. And faith endures. Those were three things we talked about last week that we said would keep popping up as we move through this chapter, and they're here. In a world filling up with sinners and sin, Abel could have gone with the flow. He could have followed the ways of the world. He could have followed them in their doubt and in their unbelief and their desire to be independent from the God who made them, but he followed Christ. And he had no way of knowing his name would be Jesus or that he'd be nailed to a cross one day, but he believed the promise of God. He knew what God had promised and he believed it. He had faith that a man would be born of a woman who would come and reverse the curse and redeem the lost sinners like himself. And his faith in the person of that promise led him to obey God by approaching God with a sacrifice that was acceptable. And you think about it. We said there were probably some doubters, right? Some folks giving up on approaching God at all because this Redeemer guy doesn't seem to be showing up, you know? Mom's had a lot of babies, no, no Redeemer. Maybe that was all just a story that they told. But Abel keeps coming back. Despite what the world wants and what they're going to do and how they're going to deal with the same information that they received, he's going to keep coming back, offering a bloody sacrifice. Faith follows when it doesn't make sense. It takes God at his word, even when everyone else is questioning it. I don't think I have to push hard to apply that in the day and age we live in, y'all. Faith follows Christ even when the world says, you're crazy, you're old-fashioned, you're against progress or whatever accusation they want to make. When it looks like the chips are down and, and all hope is lost, when everyone is running away, you're running toward, saying, no, I'm believing God, I'm taking him at his word. Your faith, y'all, will be tested in a manner that looks more akin to what these people did in the first century than it did in this past century. And I don't know if you've thought about that yet. You're going to have a lot more in common with these first century Christians and how their faith was challenged and tested and ridiculed and scorned than, than your grandparents did. Do you come to grips with that? I mean, I mean that's just... We've got to be prepared for that sort of thing, to be able to endure it, faith that endures. And here's something not to miss. Abel's right worship of God angered Cain, didn't it? Did you see that? And what did Cain do? 
He murdered him. He murdered his brother. He didn't offer blood to cover his own sins, but his own sin of hatred led him to shed his own brother's blood. Faith endures suffering, even to the point of death. If you've still got a thumb over there in Genesis 4, look again at verses 5 through 7. Look how God deals with Cain after his offering is rejected and before he goes and kills Abel. Look there, it says, But for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And something that's just fun in, in the Hebrew, um, the, the word for face is, is plural, uh, because there's many parts that make up the face, right? I always thought that was kind of cool. So it reads there, literally it says, uh, he was hot with anger and his faces fell. He was utterly despondent, displeased, discouraged. He was angry and he was depressed. That's where Cain was. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So notice something here, if you've missed it before. God doesn't turn his nose up at Cain's sacrifice and then ignore him. That's not what he does. He comes to him with grace, and he gives him some fatherly counsel here, doesn't he? Buck up, child, right? There's a way in which I've, I've, I've made it so that you may be accepted by me. There's a way in which I've, I've allowed for you to come to me. And he warns him about the dangers of sin welling up in him and where obedience to his emotions would lead. Now, just tell all of you this morning, y'all, listen, God deals with you the same way, pleads with you the same way this morning. If you know you're, you're fighting with him, if you're bucking against God and his authority, in your life, if, if you've been angry with him and if you've snarled at his refusal to do things your way, believe in the Lord Christ and be saved. You will not be refused, you will not be rejected if you come to him the way he says to come, through the blood of the lamb that he has sent as a covering for you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And without faith in Christ who shed his own blood, it is impossible to please God. Come the way he says to come. Do well. Be accepted. The warning's there too, though. If you do not, sin will rule over you, and it is a brutal master. Being ruled by your emotions is a miserable thing. And it will lead you to do terrible things. It is a cruel master. In verse 8, Cain goes to speak with his brother. We have no idea what that conversation entailed. We're not told. We don't know if it got started on the right foot in light of what God spoke to Cain. And then it kind of took a turn for the worse and went sideways later. We don't know. What we do know is they were in a field, probably with no one around. And Cain killed Abel. He refused the Lord's fatherly counsel. And let that bitterness and that anger and that jealousy consume him. 
He allowed it to rule over him rather than to submit to God's rule over him. God is gracious and merciful to help us, and he is patient with us. He was with even Cain, but Cain rejected him, allowed himself to be ruled by his sinful emotions, and he killed his brother. Now, here's a note on suffering. We said faith refuses to follow the world. It follows Christ, even when it doesn't make sense, and that faith endures. It endures suffering. And I've heard too many awful stories to think that there aren't at least a handful of you here this morning who have suffered abuse or injustice that went unpunished. Someone who sinned against you without confession, without admission of guilt, without any sort of apology and without any restitution being made. And if that's you, you've experienced that kind of thing before. I don't, I, I don't want to just have you recall horrible experiences in your life or, or have you, you know, share the detail of that or relive it in any way, but would you, would you raise your hand if you've experienced something like that before, been abused, dealt with unjustly, where there's been no confession of sin and no restitution made, so that other people can see that they're not alone in that either? so that you know that you're not alone in that. Here's what's funny. I know some of you have, because you've told me. And it's fine if you don't want to raise your hand. And I know there's others of you I don't know that that's for sure the case with you, but I can probably guess. Here's what you need to know. Those with faith know God sees. God sees. Maybe no one else did. Maybe no one else knows. God knows. And there will be justice. Nothing escapes God's notice. God's sovereignty is good news. We've got a pretty good idea no one else was around when Cain killed Abel, but God saw, and he inquires of Cain, where is your brother Abel? And Cain talks back to him. Doesn't just talk back to him, lies to him. So, I don't know. Yes, he did. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? What? That's, that's back talk. What's God say? What have you done? What have you done? Your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. A lot of talk about blood. <clears throat> Abel brings a bloody sacrifice without the shedding of blood, no forgiveness of sins. Abel's blood cries from the ground. What's Abel's blood crying out? Justice. Justice. We're told later, actually in the, in, in the book of Hebrews, that Jesus' blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It speaks mercy. Because justice has been served. Because it has everyone who believes in Christ, I mean really believes in him, the way that Abel does, or did, does still. <laughs> Those who are looking to his atoning blood for the forgiveness of their sins, 
For those who believe in him like that, justice has been served. Sin has been punished, and the wrath of God has been satisfied because he received the punishment we deserve. Abel knew it. He knew what he deserved, and he knew he required a substitute, and that without it, he couldn't please God. And he wanted to. He wanted to please God. Because he believed God is who he says he is, and that he would keep his promises. The author, in effect, here says to his audience, do you? Do you believe as Abel did? Do you believe that he's not only able, and I'm not able the name, I'm talking about ability over here. Do you believe that God is not only able to keep his promises, but in fact will keep his promises? Do you believe as Abel did? And remember, these are some folks getting tired in their Christianity, we've said before, right? Getting a little worn out in their faith, in their walk with Christ. Some sleepy Christians who need reminding that their religion is not just a hobby. It's not just an idea. The church is not just uh, an, an association that, we, that we're members with. It's a people that included these people too, who have already finished the race, and these stories about them and about their lives are things that happen. These are not just bedtime stories for children. We can look to these people and we can find real encouragement. Encouragement that no matter what it looks like, whatever looks easier or looks like a better option for you out there, it isn't. Jesus is better. Have faith in him. Keep faith in him. And it will be worth it. Just look at all, all your much older brothers and sisters, this list of names, how they looked to Christ, believing the promises of God, and were accepted by Him. So the message is simple, and it's never changed. Repent and believe in Christ who was promised from the beginning. Come and offer by faith yourself as a living sacrifice. Paul talks about that, Romans 12. Come by faith and offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Offer yourself, your life to him. Whatever is offered by faith in the Son is accepted. Did you get that this morning? Whatever is offered by faith in the Son is accepted. I hope we see that. So know that if you have placed your trust in him, you are accepted by him. A final word here on that last sentence of, of Hebrews eleven four, It says, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. What's he have to say to us? Well, you don't want to leave here with that cliffhanger, right? We've got to answer that question. But what would Abel have to say? You come to God the way he says, and you come by the son he has sent. That's what he would say. Abel had one lamb to offer for himself, right? Recognizing he needed that, that dealing with his sins in order to come to God. He had one lamb for himself. At the time of the Passover, it was one lamb per household or family. At the Day of Atonement, it was one lamb for one nation. 
And at the cross was one lamb for one world. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's good news. Have faith in Christ and his sacrifice for you and you will be accepted by the God who made you. Let's pray. Lord God, help us by faith to believe this good news. May it be sweet to us and so staggering that we can't help but share it with others. Even this very week as we go about our business and we run our many errands and we meet with friends and family during this Christmas season, Lord, help us by faith to offer ourselves to you, our very wills, our desires. And Lord, use us as you see fit for the good of your kingdom, for the benefit of others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.